It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show, the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports. And as you know, if you listen to the show, our shows are podcasted everywhere. You can listen to them on all the apps, especially on my website, winnersunlimited.com. And each week I try to get into topics that will be of interest to everybody about sports psychology, about the mental side of sports, sportsmanship. And, you know, if you've been listening to me, I've been on the radio for 30 years here in Kansas City, the last 20 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've been in practice for 41 years and one of the first trained sports psychologists in the country. I have talked forever 
and I mean forever, about the importance of mental health and sports. And one of the issues that's been coming up a lot this past year has been athletes' mental health, coaches' mental health, fans' mental health. And it's becoming more and more of a prominent topic that we're talking about, that we're listening to athletes discuss their issues. This past week, one of the Philadelphia Eagles came back from being out with some mental health issues. He said, I've, I had anxiety. I was depressed. I needed some time off. I'm back. I'm doing okay now, but I had to work on myself. Professional athletes have issues just like anybody else because they're people. And not only are they people, but they get to perform in front of millions of people. And if they make, you know, if you're a pro athlete and you do your job, nobody really says much about it except, hey, great job. But if you screw up, boy, everybody sees it, everybody notices it, and then you get talked about all the time. And this is transferring down not just from professional athletes to college athletics to high school athletes, even to youth sports. And the pressure today on young kids is greater than it's ever been to win. If you listen to my show, you know one of the things that I'm very passionate about is sportsmanship with youth sports. And one of the things that I think is imperative is that we need to teach sportsmanship to coaches and parents and officials as well as kids. Why? Because a lot of kids are having problems. Of course, this past year and a half with the whole coronavirus issue and sports stopping, life stopping, everything going on, the, the topic of self-worth, self-value, self-esteem, self-confidence, self has become more and more, more and more prominent in our conversations. If you listen to the show, you know I had a show a few weeks ago that's podcasted out there about how I believe coaches should now take a practice one day and not practice. Just have a practice where they talk. They sit down with our athletes and talk about this. So a couple weeks ago, I had an email on one of the sports psychology sites that I'm on about a young man named Alex Rando, who's the goalkeeper for LAFC and the Las Vegas Lights. He's doing some research about this, about mental health in kids. So I reached out to him about being on, on the show today with us, and he's joined us this morning. So, Alex, how are you this morning? appreciate you being with us. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. I'm really interested in, in how you got involved in this study that you're doing and, and what it's about. So if you can explain it to us, why don't you give us a rundown briefly on what that's about? Okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the, my study and essentially my project that I'm working on basically started about six and a half months ago. Um, essentially, uh, I mean, you could tie it honestly back to the beginning of the pandemic. Basically, I had a small, uh, small business that essentially provided youth players uh, who weren't training with their clubs, essentially with like customized uh, session plans. And, um, you know, I ended up closing that about a year after I, I launched it. And I'd say January, 2021, um, just cause you know, teams were back into sort of slowly getting to the swing of things. Um, at that point, I went back to the drawing board um, and I really wanted to figure out what youth soccer players were struggling with. And what was their biggest frustration? So I spent, yeah, I spent about six and a half months uh, speaking to different youth players all over the country, um, ages 12 to 23, really asking them what are their biggest frustrations. Um, and I mean, really across the board, about about half the players, you know, they were like, mental health is my largest frustration. Um, and you know, I 
believe heavily in mental training. I believe heavily in mental training from a youth age. Um, and so my, you know, my main goal of this project was essentially to create something that would help players and their, um, and their mental well-being. Why? Why? Why did this intrigue you as much, uh, so much to get into this? Why? Um, I mean, you're you're I playing professionally. Excuse me. You're you playing know, professionally now. You've got a career ahead of you. You went uh, to Stanford and Virginia to college, and you played college soccer at Virginia, and now you're playing professionally. I mean, you're you're on the road to to hopefully your the dream of of starting, you know, full time. What got you involved in wanting to do this? Uh, I'd say the combination of two things. Um, the first is that I came from a very fortunate situation. So my mother is a clinical psychologist, um, and so growing up, I was I was essentially put through like mental training exercises at a very very young age. Um, I started keeping a journal at six. You know, I started doing, really doing visualizing around eight or nine. Um, you know, the, it, the list goes on. Um, and basically, you know, I think that mental training and you know just really believing in mental well-being has led me to where I am today. And now I just started my career. I'm not a big player at all, but just saying to get to like this level, I think I really, really, really had to dig down on, on the mental side. Um, and you know, the, the other side of it is that uh, at least in youth soccer, now, you know, my, my research is all youth soccer. That's just my sport. But I think it's fair to say that, you know, youth, in youth sports, there, um, there really is a lack of, of just, you know, mental awareness and proper mental training. So I think it's a combination of, you know, my my growing up, my background, and um, just the lack of this uh, incredibly vital thing for players. Well, obviously, you and I are on the same page with that. I've been talking about this forever in my practice and, and here on the radio. And, I, and I've seen a change, Alex, in the last really five to ten years. Uh, my clients have gotten younger. They're coming in complaining about being burned out. I mean, I'm talking about seven, eight, nine, nine, ten-year-olds I get into my office now because of the pressures they're feeling from parents, from coaches to have to win, to have to be number one. And my whole emphasis is on having fun, learning fundamentals, and growing. I co-authored a book with Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame pitcher Jeff Montgomery and USA Swimming Hall of Fame coach Pete Malone called Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. And that was the premise behind our book that we wrote about four years ago, is that sports should be fun. It's called Just Let Him Play, not Just Let Him Win for a reason. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think, in all honesty, I think the, the you know, it, it's kind of interesting. My research obviously isn't as in-depth as your private practice, as I'm sure you're aware of, but you know, the trends that you are noticing are trends that I was noticing as well. Um, I mean, they weren't as young as, as you know, the, the players you were mentioning, but basically the most common, you know, mental challenge that the player that I were interviewing was uh, a loss in interest. So, for example, you know, a uh, few players basically were like, you know, I was really passionate about this. I wanted to pursue this in college. Um, that was something that happened like two years ago. And now I really have no desire. I, I don't like going and playing anymore. Um, and I want to do something to fix it. And what age, um, what ages then, were you, you know, hitting, I, hitting up on there? That age, that was, you know, right early teens. It, it was really a range from like 15 through 17. And then with the older players, so with anywhere from, you know, I'd say 17 through to 
through 2023, um, feeling burnt out and balancing, meaning, um, you know, trying to deal with sport, social life, uh, school, um, and just any other extremities. uh, Those are the two most common things for the older, for the older players. You know, you're, you're a professional now. And in my opinion, you're a survivor of youth sports. You survived youth sports. That's why you've made it to this level. We're going to go to our break here in a few moments. When we come back, I want to talk about you know, how you trained, how you grew up. Like you said, you're fortunate your mom was a clinical psychologist, so she was able to help you out, obviously, in a lot of things that I talk about all the time. But this is obviously something that, that a lot of kids don't have accessibility to, so we're going to come back and talk about that. Come back from this break. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Alex Rando. He's a goalkeeper out in California and in Las Vegas, professionally playing with LAFC. And we're talking about youth sports. We're talking about mental health, mental wellness. And we'll be back in a moment. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week, and we talk about the mental side of sports. And today I'm having a fascinating interview with Alex Rando, professional goalkeeper, plays for LAFC in Las Vegas. And we've been talking about he's, he's putting a study on about mental health and youth sports and young athletes. And, and so, Alex, one of the things that – I have been seeing more and more is this whole issue of burnout with kids. And and I've had some coaches, to be honest with you, I've worked with over the years who said burnout doesn't exist. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think it does. And I'm getting the kids talking about burnout with me at younger and younger ages now. At As I mentioned earlier, I have young kids, less than 10, coming into my office because they're stressed out. And then I'm getting kids who are 12, 13, 14, don't want to play anymore. They've been playing there five or six, and now here's one of the things that really bothers me. If you want to be good at a sport, you've got to play that sport year-round. You can, if you want to play in high school and you want to play in college, well, you better stop doing anything else but that sport when you're about 10 or 11 years of age now because you've, you've got year-round practices, you have year-round training camps, you have year-round e- exposure, and it starts at younger and younger ages, and we're seeing burnout becoming more and more popular at younger and younger ages with kids because they don't want to do it anymore. Let me get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just to talk a little about burnout a little bit, that's something, like I said earlier in my research that I noticed, um, but also just from my personal experience, um, I definitely went through burnout. I went through burnout at a young age. Um, I think may, maybe one of the reasons why, you know, you're seeing a lot more burnout is just because of, you know, this is kind of arbitrary, but like a lot of societal pressure, you know, pressure from like social media, pressure from other, you know, other just endeavors. In all honesty, like a like the phone, the modern day phone is like a, definitely a big 
I, I think reason that there's a lot of burnout. Um, but at least in my experience, uh, I got, I would say like, I was very, very burnt out. Um, my, I guess this would be my freshman year of high school. I didn't play high school soccer. Um, I played for, uh, what's essentially called an academy team. That's like a farm team. Um, the team called NYCFC who played, played in the MLS. Right. Cause you, uh, you grew my, up in New York. Uh, so you'd say you would have been working with that, with that organization. Yeah. So I spent about five and a half, six years with that organization. And within my first year with them, I fell probably like the, the worst, the worst case of Brown I've ever, I've ever really felt. Um, you know, I was playing, I was training about five times a week. We had one to two games on a weekend. And on top of that, I was doubling up sessions. So I had, you know, I had a, had a, I'm a goalkeeper, so I had a goalkeeper coach um, that I was working with outside of NYCFC, and I was doing that for a solid, you know, five, six months straight, um, and I really wasn't taking breaks. Um, and so the, the real reason why I didn't take breaks, and this is something that maybe you come across in your practice, was I think I was just too hard-headed, in all honesty. Um, I, I felt that... Uh, you know, the I, I had just gotten called into a few like under fourteen or under sixteen USA camps. Um, I was competing with the best players in the country, um, and I was like, I really, really want to get that starting spot. I want to get invited on these trips, um, and I was like, I'm literally not going to take a single day off, which was by far the worst approach I could have done. Because <laughs> what I figured out about five and a half, six months into this, you know, this constant training, I would take a, maybe a day off once every two weeks. But, you know, dealing with this really rigorous soccer schedule on top of uh, my freshman year of high school, I, I remember it was a goal kick, and I went to go kick the ball, uh, play it long. So I don't remember which side of the field it was on, but I just went to basically kick the ball off the field and basically just pulled my entire leg. You know, I had a pulled hamstring. I had a pulled calf. Um, I think I tweaked my ankle a little bit. And I was basically out for about three and a half, four weeks. Um, and I didn't understand why. And... Actually, my mom sat down with me, and she was like, you know, she's like, you know, no injuries are good, but maybe this injury is a good thing. She's like, you've been, you know, firing on all cylinders for, what, six months, and you're, I was 14? Yeah, I was 14, so, um, yeah, it just, it was not, it was not a, a, it wasn't a good promising situation, and, you know, what I realized after that is that I really need to take time off, and, I've actually, with NYCFC, I was fortunate enough to have a head coach, a man named um, Matt Pilkington, who believed in, you know, the mental side of the game, which, you know, I believe every coach should, but he was a very found, really firm believer in it. And so he did give us solid time off. So what I found with my, with my like, second, third, fourth, and fifth years there, um, that we would have very rigorous schedules, and then we would have sometimes two days off a week, even sometimes three, um, and you know, that that team in my last two years um, ended up winning back-to-back national championships. And in the United States um, development program, uh, it doesn't exist anymore, um, but the Development Academy League, we were the only team, or actually we're the only team in history to do that. How'd you, so after you came back from your injury, how, how did you get back into things? Is it a gradual thing or did you just jump full speed ahead? Oh, it, it was gradual. Um, and so, uh, and NYCFC basically operates like a professional team, and so they 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 put us through a very similar protocol that they would with their professional players. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't hit the ground as in like I didn't dive or didn't really do any explosive movements, um, probably till week two of 
coming back from this injury and then, you know, working with the goalkeeper one or goalkeeper coach one on one to, you know, slowly get back into the swing of things. Um, I, I, I remember the, 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 the first three days after I was hurt, I was so mad. So my, I was on crutches um, and I, I was just pissed out of my mind. I remember there was a camp that I got called into. I, uh, this was probably U16 national team or U14, I can't remember. Um, I had to turn that down. Uh, and there were, like, you know, I couldn't show up to training. Um, and, you know, with NYCFC, when you're injured, you always have to show up to training, even, you know, even even if you're hurt. And so we would, I would go to training, and I would do, like, maybe some recovery work, maybe do, like, an ab workout, something like that. Um, but I was so pissed out of my mind. And then probably about five, six days in, um, that's when my mom, you know, spoke to me. And, uh, you know, I started realizing I should have taken some time off. Um, and, uh, maybe, maybe not like weeks off, but maybe, you know, like, like my coach later did, um, you know, throwing in some days off, kind of sprinkling those in, um, you know, cause it, it, it helps. It really yeah. does. And, and, and you learned, so right you learned personally, you learned personally how to do with this. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Alex Rando, goalkeeper for the LAFC major league, major soccer league team and the Las Vegas lights. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about some of the stuff he's gone through. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour at a flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Having a great interview this morning. With Alex Rando, he's a goalkeeper for LAFC and the Las Vegas Lights. And we're talking about his research he's doing on mental health and kids. And then we're sort of talking a little bit about what's happened to him when he got hurt and he had to take a break when he was 14, 15 years of age, time off from being injured. So let me ask this question, Alex. So one of the things that I'm seeing more and more, as we said earlier in the show, are kids dropping out of sports at age 12, 13, and 14. I'm seeing that a lot more, and the research is, is showing that that's happening a lot. And I think, you know, it's, it's this whole burnout issue of playing one sport year-round. Like I said earlier, going to training camps, going to all these traveling teams. You know, it's, it's like with baseball. There's, baseball starts here in the Midwest High school baseball starts in March, but they start training in you know, January, February. They'll play through May. As soon as that ends, you play summer ball. You've got summer ball going usually to the end of July. They may take a week off then, and then they go into fall ball. Fall ball goes to right about now, the, the, the middle to the end of October. Then they take a break for a little bit, and then they're back training again beginning of January to get started. Um, so there's a little bit of a break at, you know, in November and December. But a lot of the kids that I work with still go to private lessons, private pitching, private hitting, private fielding. There's really no time off. And what I'm finding is that's just, the, you know, that's the case across the board to almost every sport now. And it's happening at younger and younger ages where kids have to stay in that one sport. When I was the uh, first sports psychologist at the University of Kansas back in the 1980s, I got to spend uh, time working with all the teams and, and uh, worked with the basketball team, when Larry Brown was the coach. And he told me something that I've shared many, many times on this show. That is, he felt all kids should play an individual sport and a team sport growing up. An individual sport because they learn about self-confidence, working on your own, 
you know, how to, how to handle things under pressure by yourself, but then in a team sport where they learn about sharing, teamwork, camaraderie. And I think that's essential now more so than ever. I think kids today should, should be playing both individual and team sports. And there was a, an article written recently where Alex Morgan and Roger Federer were interviewed, and, and they both talked about how they played multiple sports until they were about 14, 15 years of age, and that's when Alex started playing soccer exclusively and Federer started focusing on tennis all the time. So let me get your thoughts on that with the research you're starting to do and get your thoughts on your opinion about this. Uh, so I, I totally agree with that. Um, I think, you know, you, you, like you touched upon, like specialization within sports, um, it's happening more often at a younger age. Um, soccer became my primary sport, I'd say around, right around actually high school, like 14, 15. Um, although the sports that I did play alongside soccer, they weren't to the same extent. Um, but I did play baseball. Um, I played basketball. And I found that a lot of, you know, even from just like away from like the mental side, but a lot of those traits and, you know, skills that you learn in those sports, they carry on across every other sport. Um, and like the biggest one for me is, so I'm a goalkeeper, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes there's games where I'm just standing in the goal, really not doing that much in all honesty. You know, I have right. to constantly be focused because there's going to be certain actions. Um, and I, I found that to be very similar to like playing, you know, right field. Um, I, you know, I was an outfielder when I played baseball and, you know, I, I learned quickly that you really have to be focused at all times and you may not even see the ball the entire game, but you really have to be focused. And I think that's something that's, you know, that's true in, in a lot of sports. Um, and, you know, one, one thing I also want to touch upon that's, that's not, that's, I would also say is like, not just like diversifying sports that you're playing or that, you know, the kids are playing, but also diversifying interests. That's something that, that I took with me and I still take with me wherever I go. And so um, essentially, you know, your sport typically for youth players is a passion, right? Well, it should you know, be. It should be. Are, well, it should be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it should be a passion. Um, but, you know, a should, let me let me jump in real quick. So, Alex, yeah. I, to me, it should be. It's not always going to be because at some point you're going to you know get tired or things like that. But but I think the the excitement, the the passion, the the f- fun of playing a sport starts to go away when you hit your teens because now it becomes more of a job. And, and let's face it. Uh, when you're a college athlete, it's like a job. It, you know, you've got the NCAA is required 20 hours of, of, of practice a week minimum with the team, but of course you'll do stuff on your own. You have to do stuff on your own. And if you make it to college, I would say you're yeah. su- you survived youth sports. You survived high school sports because so many kids quit because they don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, you know, like the, the one the one thing I was going to say just about you know passions is that I, I like even even playing pro like I find myself um, well because it is, it is my profession but I do find myself you know getting getting burnt out and like you know because I'm constantly thinking about soccer um, and the biggest thing that I probably did growing up and even now is like I just eventually branch off into other other passions so you know um, I I'm a big fan of. Uh, I find it funny, but I, I love I love building things. So I like I, I love Legos. Um, I'm 20 years old, so I might be a little weird, but like I like Legos. Um, I really like building model aircraft. 
that's that's probably the one of my biggest passions. You know, just actually like sitting down at a desk and then you know painting each piece, putting together the pieces. I just find it very relaxing and also just very stimulating. Well, I, I was gonna say, um, I was gonna say as you're talking there. Excuse me. What I was gonna say was there's some mental stimulation there for you to concentrate on something like that and get your mind off of soccer and focus on something else that's going to give you some some you know that that can stimulate your mind away from from just competitive soccer exactly exactly and i i think that you know like this this just sort of ties in with um diversifying sports you know at a young age so playing playing an individual sport whether it's like tennis um golf something like that at a, at a younger age as well as a team sport you know basketball baseball soccer football um you know, I think like as even even like if you do if you do end up shooting one sport and that's your primary sport, you should also have other passions that I wouldn't say rival, but are like right up there next to, to soccer. That way, you know, you can hop over to one when something isn't going well or when you're feeling burnt out. That's just the way that I sort of I thought and that's how I grew up. Have you um, have you uh, let me ask this question soccer. with your with your teammates, professional teammates. Of course, you've got guys from other countries you play with as well professionally. Have you had conversations with them about the, about what we're talking about? You know, one thing that I've just noticed from uh, – I've only been a pro for about six, seven months. But one thing I've noticed is that, you know, a lot of guys uh, find their other passion in video games. So they will I – don't, I don't play video games, but, like, they will, after training, you know, go hop on FIFA, Call of Duty, essentially, uh, you know, PlayStation, Xbox, and they'll play for, for hours on end. Um, but also just talking to them about uh, just mental well-being. Um, I I don't think there's, uh, there's a single pro that I've played with that hasn't, you know, dealt with mental wellness and, you know, that doesn't prioritize that. Um, because, uh, you know, like the older you get, you know, you have to, this is your profession. Like you have to, you have to be as mentally focused as you can. Um, and you know my 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 head coach guy named Steve Trundolo, great um, U.S. Uh, national team player. Um, he you know he just he had his Hall of Fame speech and he basically touched upon you know soccer and youth like youth soccer doesn't address mental wellness enough. Um, and you know that that's sort of the overall theme in this whole conversation. But uh, you know the pros echo that as well. So when we come back from our next break, Alex, I want to talk about that specifically. What you think we need to do to address mental wellness with youth sports? Your thoughts on that, your opinion on that, and how we can change it because it needs to be done, and it needs not only to be done in youth sports with the athletes, but it needs to be done with the coaches. Coaches need to be educated, yeah. not only for their own self, but for the kids they're coaching about how they can damage a kid's psyche, their confidence, and everything like that. I've talked about that many times on the show, and I'm going to share a story with you when we come back about how damaging that can be. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Alex Rando, goalkeeper for LAFC and the Las Vegas Lights. We're talking about his interest in mental wellness, the study he's doing with with kids. We're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. As you know, our shows are rebroadcast throughout the week all over the country, a number of cities, and they're also podcasted. All you need to do is go to my website, winnersunlimited.com. 
and you'll see the latest podcast each week. And they're also podcast on all the apps all over the over the place. And I get people contacting me from all all over the world now um, who listen to these podcasts, and it's it's pretty cool to get feedback from people in Europe, Australia. Some people in South America have contacted me. Um, you know, I do this show for a reason. Um, I do it to help people out. Um, I'm, I'm a psychologist, so my training is in, in helping people. I'm trained as a Ph.D. in clinical psychology with a specialty in sports psychology and performance enhancement. I trained out in Cal- – went to Vanderbilt University, undergraduate, and went to the California School of Professional Psychology in San Diego and graduated in 1981. And I was lucky enough to take a class called sports psychology taught by Dr. Robert Nidefer, who was my mentor, who I owe so much to. And I wish I knew the things I knew in grad school when I was younger playing sports because it would have really helped me. And one of the things that I've learned throughout my career – is just and I've talked about it on this this show forever. Is athletes are people. Athletes have feelings. Athletes have emotions. Um, and young kids have feelings and emotions and get their feelings hurt easily. When an adult coach lets their ego get in the way, I have a saying, Alex: a good coach has, lets his or her ego, checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about them; it's about the kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to share a story with you and then get your thoughts on this and then how we can change the whole scenario. Years ago, I mentioned this on this show before. My younger son, Gregor, was playing baseball. He was about 11 or 12, I think 11 years old. And we were waiting to play our, our, the, his game. The team playing we were watching was from the same neighborhood. Young man got to second base, tried to steal third at the encouragement of the third base coach, tripped and fell down halfway there, got tagged out. The head coach turned around, kicked the fence. The helmets and bats fell off the bat rack. He took his hat down, was kicking it. The young man came in the dugout. He grabbed him by his neck and threw him up against the fence. It was a Sunday afternoon, about 110 degrees. It was hotter than heck. And I yelled at him. He then cursed at me, dropped the kid, at which point the first base coach came in and was yelling, what are you doing? They got in an argument. I went and got this young man's dad, who was off talking to some people because, you know, he was just having a good time there. He Really nice guy and just enjoyed just being out. Anyway, that young man saw me his freshman year, especially sophomore year in high school. His dad called me and said, I need to bring John in to see you. Well, John was this strapping six foot two, six three kid, very athletic. He said, Dr. Jacobs, I've never had any self-confidence ever since that incident. Remember that incident? I said, oh, yeah, I remember that. Coaches need to be trained. Alex, in my opinion, on how to talk to kids, treat kids, coach kids, work with kids. And, and I'm sure you've seen this stuff throughout your soccer career with some wacko coaches and parents dealing with this stuff. What do you think we need to do? Yes, no, uh, definitely. Uh, I think, you know, because the coaches determine, firstly, that the most important thing in, in, in sports in terms of just development, which is playing time. And, you know, I've had a few pretty nuts coaches basically basically just not believe in mental well-being and not believe in mental health. Why not? Why why don't they you believe know, in it? It's it's part of who we are. And and I I don't know from, you know, their standpoint why they don't believe in it. I've seen them I've seen them yell at, yell at me but yell at other players and basically, you know, push players into a, a, a deeper, deeper hole. It's like a deeper place. Because they, th- because they, they think those, mentally... they think those players are weak. 
right? I mean, isn't that something you've heard? They think those players are weak, and so they need to toughen up, and we can't have, you know, weak people. I won't use the term a lot of coaches use to describe those people, but we can't have weak people on our team. They've got to be strong. Is, is yes. that part of it? Yes. So, Oh, definitely. So, like, I think it's two things, and it may be more, but, you know, weak people and also motivation. Um, I had an experience with um, – uh, when I was at Stanford where the, the, the head coach essentially like th- threw a chair, threw a chair across the room. Um, and I, I didn't have a very good experience at Stanford. I'm not going to talk about it too much, but I ended up, ended up walking away. Um, and, you know, the coach threw a chair at the wall. Uh, you know, he, he called me, my, my family, lots of like pretty bad stuff. And um, I sort Why? of looked at him. Why? Was what, like, what was the reason for that? Well, that, that was my thought process. I, my, you know, in my head, I'm like, you know, why are you doing this? Like, you know, your job is to, one, make me the best player that I can be so I can help your program, so I can help you win national championships. Um, and I think, I think it's just something that he was taught growing up, um, unfortunately, where that if he's very hard and he shows this fear factor that, you know, players will succumb to it and they will basically just fall in line. Um, and well, back I in the back in the excuse me, back in the sixties and seventies, in the days of Bo Schembechler, Woody Hayes, Bobby Knight, stuff like that was going on. That's not the way it works anymore. And unfortunately, you know, the, the whole topic of mental well, mental well being, mental health, this past year has come to light more than ever with Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka coming out with their, you know, expressions about their 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 own mental well well being, their mental health. And we're seeing it. In fact, you know, uh, Simone Biles, there was a podcast by a guy who called her a sociopath because she withdrew from the Olympics. Quite frankly, that guy's the sociopath if you're going to go anywhere to to sit there and say something like that about somebody. I'm not going to throw that term out and describe people specifically. But the the fact of the matter is, you know, this young lady had the guts to come out and say, hey, I've got some issues. And, you know, she's come out since then and has testified in front of Congress about Larry Nasser and all the pain this caused her. I mean, you train and train and train to accomplish something, but you need a support system to people who encourage you and back you up, not insult you. Now, you need to be motivated, you need to be pushed. There's no question about that. But you also have to be have an understanding. So let me get, before as we wrap things up today, what's your thought about, as I said earlier, about coaches on a regular basis having a practice where they don't practice, they sit around and talk about feelings and emotions, how everybody's doing. What, what's your thought on that? I think that's something that all coaches should do. Um, you know, one thing that, you know, my research and that my, my project essentially was is, is testing out is, um, you know, how do coaches, how do coaches essentially deal with like mental wellness training? So basically, you know, yeah, the, the project that I have, we're in a beta stage and uh, we've got, we've got two teams. You know, the, the full, I guess, 18 players plus the coach. Um, and, you know, we're doing sports psychology sessions with them. And we're essentially just monitoring and seeing, you know, how, how the players react, how the coaches react. Um, and there's about a two, two-and-a-half-month, three-month process. And how old are these kids? Um, so the, the, the one team is U15 um, boys, and the team is U17 boys. Um, so 16, 17, and 15, and 14-year-olds. Um yeah, and it's all through um, this platform called NetKick, uh, netkick.net, um, and that that's pretty much what we're testing out. But I strongly believe 
<laughs> what you said, that coaches, because like I said, coaches determine playing time. They determine basically everything. And so they need to be the ones that are taught just as well, or just as much as, you know, the rest of the players and the rest of their team. So in the time we've got left, Alex, tell us what you think needs to be done to change things, to make things better. I think, I mean, the first step, and it's the first step with, with everything, is there needs to be more awareness. Um, but the second step is just that, besides awareness, there has to be an understanding. Like, there has to be an understanding that, you know, players are actually going through things and players are, are struggling mentally. Um, and so that understanding, you know, will allow their, I strongly believe, you know, it's going to take a while, but it, it'll allow for change and allow for, you know, players to progress. And that, that, progr- that, that progression can lead case. to what? Tell, tell us what you think. So that progression would definitely lead to, um, you know, the players developing, uh, developing into the, essentially, I would, I would say the best players that they can be. Um, I think if you train, you know, the one thing I stand by is mental training just as much as physical training. So if, if, if those two, you know, or if your mental training is at the same level as your physical training, you know, in theory, you should be able to accomplish essentially whatever whatever is in front of you. You should be able to attain your goals. You know, I've never given up on any of my dreams. Um, you know, I, like I said, I came from a very fortunate psycholo- or mental background, but, you know, all my friends growing up, they, you know, they gave up their dreams of playing, you know, playing soccer, um, playing basketball, uh, and, you know, it, 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 it hurts to a certain right. extent. Alex, you know, we've got to wrap that, things know, up. But, but I'd like you to share, if people want to reach you, how can they get a hold of you? Because I think there's a lot you can share with a lot of people who would be interested in talking to you. What's the best way for people to reach you? So, I, you know, like my project has a website. It's called netkick.net, like I uh, previously mentioned. But my email address um, is alexander at netkick.net. So anyone can reach me there, um, and I'm happy to answer any questions or just talk about mental wellness. Alexander Rando, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been truly a fascinating interview, and I wish you the best of luck. And you've got it together, young man. Keep it going. I like what you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, one of the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.